Tonight, day two of the Super Soaker, the problems it's caused and when we might be getting some relief. Plus, completely decimating to my business. Northern BC's new reality, how people are adjusting to tighter restrictions and the mayor of Surrey's first public appearance since confirmation of a police investigation. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. For anyone heading outside, there's been no escape from the cascade of this weekend's rain that's hitting the south coast. An atmospheric river is dumping a constant stream of heavy rain on the region, causing localized flooding and prompting trails to be closed. Kamal Karamali reports. The atmospheric river is certainly living up to its name Saturday. It's, it's been raining a lot. Vancouver, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Keeping most people indoors. It's been very slow, though, at this market because of the rain, I think. It was raining cats and dogs. And cats and dogs may be the only reason some would dare brave the constant bombardment. She likes the water. She's going in the river. Pavement pounding rain, turning puddles into pools and swelling streams into rushing rivers. While Grouse Grind was close to hikers, the Lynn headwaters overflowed, a new sign warding away anyone who dares come near. This kind of rain can rapidly increase water levels. When we have an event like this, they can be extremely flashy and can increase in capacity uh, on order of the magnitude of, uh, of 100 times or more just based on the event. So uh, they're very dangerous. A flood watch in effect for the North Shore Mountains, Metro Vancouver, Howe Sound and the Sunshine Coast, while high stream flow advisories were in effect for the Fraser Valley and Vancouver Island. It's the third major system to roll through the province since mid-September, the fallout of a hot and dry summer. The preceding conditions, those previous events after uh, extreme drought situation in the, the summer. The pooling in some neighborhoods caused by clogged catch basins and a call this weekend for volunteers to help. Clear all the leaves and dirt and garbage um, on the catch basin. So it's a really great way to kind of give back to your community. A little help to go a long way during a wet and soggy weekend. Kamal Karamali, Global News. Soggy indeed. Let's find out how much rain has fallen so far. Meteorologist Yvonne Shell is here with some totals. Yvonne. Yes, Jordan. And one of the hardest hit areas is Port Mellon. That's in Howe Sound where we've seen upwards of 290 millimeters. And these are unofficial numbers that have been taken from Thursday evening. So we'll continue to count. And for areas near West Van, over 100 up to 115 millimeters so far. Squamish over 100. The airport just over 60. And for the harbor, over 90 millimeters of rain. Now, here's what we're anticipating. We've had a bit of a low in the action through the afternoon, but this is the next wave that's going to bring additional amounts. The concern, especially as we get in towards this evening and overnight, will be 30 and up to 50 millimeters for most areas, but it's along the North Shore Mountains and Howe Sound that we could see upwards of an additional 60 and up to 80 millimeters taking us in towards our Sunday morning. So still heavy rain at times for this evening leading in towards our Sunday morning. There's a much-needed break that'll be on the way. I'll have more coming up on the timeline shortly. George? Good to hear that. Thanks, Yvonne. Vancouver Coastal Health is declaring a COVID-19 outbreak at a West Vancouver independent living home. Two residents at Amica Lions Gate have tested positive. Outbreak precautions have now been implemented at the facility with no new admissions and transfers right now and all group activities suspended. Visits have also been temporarily halted with the exception of essential care 
or end-of-life visits. Now to the troubling situation in northern B.C. where there is pushback to Thursday's new regional health orders. Church will look different tomorrow, with in-person services banned until at least mid-November. And people must now be fully vaccinated anywhere a vaccine card is needed, bumping up the October 24th deadline. Kristen Robinson reports. In Prince George, not everyone is welcoming new restrictions. Some businesses' frustrated alcohol sales are now cut off at 10 p.m., while nightclubs and bars with no food service are forced to close. The erosion of consumer confidence by the continuation of the government to, to uh, restrict us is completely decimating to my business. Strong uh, levers like this being pulled and being implemented near immediately are incredibly challenging for business once again to, to pivot towards. The last thing Peace River South MLA Mike Bernier wanted was another circuit breaker. But vaccination rates in Northern Health continue to lag behind other regions in the province. We're just over 50% now, with uh, at least with two vaccines. we got a long ways to go. Enforcing the vaccine passport, he says, is another challenge. The people following the rules are the ones that are already double vaccinated, and they feel that they're being penalized uh, for doing the right thing. We can't do that entire enforcement with our bylaw services, so we, you know, we look to WorkSafe, we look to the RCMP. Before in-person religious services were ordered to go back online, our Savior's Lutheran Church was proactive in filling these empty pews by requiring parishioners show proof of vaccination, even though it wasn't mandated. We said vaccine passports, people are social distanced, and we all wore masks the whole time. Going virtual again, no problem. The church spent more than 10 grand to outfit the sanctuary with cameras. At Trinity United Church, the Reverend confident he'll be able to reopen if more people get vaccinated. We encourage one another to, to invest in the common good and the common health of one another. Meantime, the province says 58 Northern Health ICU patients have been flown to hospitals on the island or in Metro Vancouver, including 45 with COVID, all but one not fully vaccinated. Dawson Creek Councillor Jeremy Earle tweeting about the dire situation. The sound of an airplane leaving our airport has become a source of dread for many as it symbolizes another citizen who may not be coming home. It doesn't have to be this way. Kristen Robinson, Global News. News of the Canada-U.S. land border opening in early November is being welcomed by B.C. snowbirds. That's after nearly two years of not being able to head south due to the pandemic. But as Yasmin Gandam tells us, there are still hurdles for those planning to travel to the U.S., we got everything teed up, ready to go. It's the news thousands of Canadians have been waiting for, especially those who head south of the border for the winter. Okanagan resident Wendy Cavan is one of them. With a summer home in Arizona that she hasn't been able to go to for the past two years, Cavan can finally start planning a trip. We're not going to go across the border on the 8th when it opens because I think there will be craziness, but we'll sort of monitor it after that and when the rush slows down, we'll go then. The new rules will allow fully vaccinated Canadians to enter the United States regardless of the reason for travel or without a COVID test. But Canadians will need a negative PCR test to get back over the border when they come home. 
Although Canadians could already fly to the U.S., Kelowna residents David and Brenda Mowbray prefer driving to their property in Arizona. Before the announcement, the couple was even prepared to ship their car and get on a plane. Well, we could drive to Vancouver. There's trucking companies that could truck our vehicle across to Seattle. We would fly Vancouver to Seattle, pick up the car and then drive. But just the putting the logistics of that together just didn't seem right. You need negative tests, so you've got to arrange tests. In 72 hours, how long does it take the car to get there? So yeah, this, this news this week has just made life so much simpler. Despite the good news, the Mowbrays are hoping that Canada eliminates the requirement of the negative PCR test before they come back next spring. I'm hoping the Canadian government revises some of those policies to maybe a quick test or even if you're just double vaccinated and you know I think we all need to learn to live with this and take care of ourselves and then it'll take care of itself. The couple is excited to pack up their dogs and head south as soon as the new regulations come into effect on November 8th. Yasmin Gandam, Global News. Supporters of a restaurant owner who is defying the vaccine card mandate rallied again this weekend. As Paul Johnson reports, their open defiance flies in the face of public health orders, demanding the establishment close and fines of $100 a day. Recording me? Yeah, we'd love to chat with you. Yeah. Oh. We are baby killers and stooges of the government. Those are some of the views about the news media we found at Saturday's rally in support of Rowley's restaurant. It's child abuse. It's also murder. Murder! Our children are being affected so adversely by wearing masks. And global is helping. Killing our babies. We are here because Marlene and her mother, who started this restaurant 35 years ago, continue to keep the doors open. Come on in. The Hope Restaurant has become one of the most prominent in the province for its defiance of the rule to check for vaccination status. They've apparently opted to gamble with the decades of goodwill they've built up here to make their point. And so far, it may be working for them. Rowley's had a long lineup Saturday morning, and the combination of fines and a shutdown order don't appear to have had enough teeth to make them comply. Many are not impressed. I think they should. They should shut them down. It's the rule. It's the order. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's, it's a no-brainer. We put on our mask every time we go into any store or any restaurant. I don't want to carry it home to my kids or anything. While criticizing and debating the fairness and effectiveness of the public health orders is a legitimate exercise in a free society. Saturday's rally amounted to another episode of demonstrators claiming the media treats them unfairly when we ask them to substantiate their claims. This far into the pandemic, they're still reliable events in case you haven't been yelled at all week. In Hope, Paul Johnson, Global News. Fraser Health did not respond by our deadline about why the restaurant continues to operate, but earlier this month, the health authority said it would work with enforcement agencies and the province to determine what it called appropriate next steps. Up next, a deadly crash in Surrey overnight. The plea from police for information. Also a hit and run in the Fraser Valley and the shocking amount of time that went by before the victim was found. Also, we make another attempt to catch up with the mayor of Surrey. How he says his foot is doing tonight as the news hour continues. A pedestrian was killed in a late night crash in Surrey. RCMP say the collision happened just after 1130 last night. 
on King George Boulevard, just past the Patello Bridge. Police say a pedestrian did not survive their injuries, adding the driver remained on scene and is cooperating. The area was closed to traffic for hours while investigators combed the scene. If you have any information about the crash or perhaps dash cam footage, call Surrey RCMP or Crime Stoppers. One person was airlifted and another was taken by ground ambulance to hospital following a head-on collision in Maple Ridge this afternoon. It happened near 280th Street and Lowheat Highway at about 1.30. No word yet what caused the crash, but investigators could be seen focusing on the wreckage of one vehicle and a large box truck. RCMP in Chilliwack are trying to find the driver involved in a late evening hit and run earlier this week that left an injured pedestrian lying in a ditch for hours. Police say a 56-year-old woman was found unconscious and bleeding in the ditch on Keith Wilson Road near the Chilliwack River. She was found Wednesday evening at 11 and rushed to hospital. She's said to be in critical but stable condition. Police believe she was hit sometime in the previous three hours. This woman went out for a walk um, at about approximately 8 p.m. that evening. And when she didn't return, her family went looking for her. And that's when they discovered her in the ditch with these significant injuries and obviously called 911 right away. And she was transported to hospital where she remains in stable condition with serious injuries. RCMP are asking the driver to come forward or they're hoping someone will have seen a friend or family member with unexplained vehicle damage and give them a call. A man who's pleaded guilty in a Burnaby hit and run that killed a cyclist and father of two. 53-year-old Charles Masala was struck and killed while cycling on Gallardi Way in June of 2019. This past week, 25-year-old Sumit Mangat pleaded guilty to impaired driving causing death and failing to stop at the scene of a deadly accident. Witnesses say the suspect SUV, a black Jeep Cherokee, fled up Burnaby Mountain after the fatal collision. RCMP found the Jeep on the SFU campus. The accused will be back in court in December for a pre-sentence report. Masala, an engineer and father of two young children, was an experienced cyclist and heavily involved with a charity in East Africa. Sentencing documents are shedding new light on the high-profile slaying of a Hells Angel at a Surrey Starbucks drive through two years ago. Calvin Jr. Powery Hooker and Nathan James DeYoung will serve life in prison with no chance of parole for 20 years for the second-degree murder of Suminder Singh Graywall. The victim was gunned down in his Dodge Viper after placing his Starbucks order at the South Point Exchange Mall in June 2019. His killers had tailed him from his home in Port Coquitlam. The pair fled in a Lincoln Aviator, leading police on a lengthy chase before ditching an AR-15 in a residential neighborhood and running away. Both were arrested half an hour after the shooting. Well, we have finally heard from the mayor of Surrey following news this week that the RCMP and a special prosecutor are investigating a possible criminal charge of public mischief. It's in connection with a case involving Doug McCallum and an altercation at a South Surrey mall. Julia Foy has the latest tonight. There was juggling, jesting, and the band played on. It was all part of the grand opening of the Clayton Community Centre in Surrey. It's really neat. It's, um, I'm really excited about it. It's, um, I can't wait to learn some of these things myself. Earlier this week, Global News reported there is a police investigation into an incident involving Doug McCallum. 
On September 6th, the limping mayor told Global News he'd been struck by a car two days earlier in the South Point Save-On Foods parking lot. McCallum said the driver was there collecting signatures for the Surrey Police Vote Initiative, which aims to keep the RCMP in Surrey. She pulled out and, and turned right. She clipped my knee and, and my bottom leg and then ran over my foot at the same time and then took off. The BC RCMP's Major Crime Section Special Projects Unit is now investigating a public mischief charge. We don't want people making false accusations against other citizens and expending our precious police resources. That's wrong. That's criminal. We asked the mayor about the new investigation. I think right now I won't make any comments on it. It's actually quite surprising and shocking, but we do have to give the special prosecutor the bandwidth, the time to do his or her work. Outside, under the watchful eye of bylaw officers, volunteers were once again collecting signatures on a petition for a referendum on a police vote. We've made it very clear we will not comply with bylaws. Uh, department orders to, to, to leave this site. The mayor had this response. As long as they stay peaceful and quiet and, and abide by all the rules. Finally, we asked the mayor how he was feeling since the alleged car incident. I'm feeling well. Your leg, your foot is good? Yeah, it's good. <laughs> you haven't been involved in any mischief, have you? <laughs> no, I'm not going to go into those uh, any comments on that. Julia Foy, Global News. There is growing evidence of a westward shift in political power in the House of Commons. Elections Canada has released seat projections for the next few years. The House of Commons will grow from 338 members to 342. That reflects Canada's growing population. And for the first time in Canadian history, Alberta and B.C. combined will have more seats than Quebec. B.C. gains one seat, while Alberta's representation will grow by three. Quebec, meanwhile, loses a seat. The changes take effect in 2024. A Muslim charity helped fundraise to plant trees in Chilliwack today. Volunteers with Islamic Relief Canada, in collaboration with the city of Chilliwack and other community members, set out to plant 225 trees and shrubs in the Bell Slough. The hope is to restore the ecology of the area where temperature changes, industrialization, and agriculture can have an impact on local wildlife. The Seeds of Hope event is also meant to help communities far away from Chilliwack. What's amazing about this campaign is that we're actually also raising funds not only for um, the city of Chilliwack, but also for, for different farmers around the world, um, including um, Palestine and Kashmir, to allow them to... Um, kind of regain their livelihoods that have been lost in their um, conflict zones. Just ahead on the news hour, an act of terror. New details on the murder of a British MP and renewed questions about the safety of public officials in that country. Plus the highs and lows of Canada's cannabis industry three years after marijuana became legal. British detectives say the killing of a conservative lawmaker is being treated as a terrorist incident, with the suspect having possible links to the so-called Islamic State. The MP was meeting with his constituents at a church when he was stabbed multiple times. Jennifer Johnson has more. 
At the church where British lawmaker David Amos was killed, leaders from across the political spectrum gathered to pay their respects. The 69-year-old conservative member of parliament was stabbed multiple times while meeting with local voters. The investigation is in its very early stages and is being led by officers from the Specialist Counterterrorism Command. Police arrested a 25-year-old British man at the scene and recovered a knife. Many locals laid flowers at the church Saturday for the popular politician and father of five who had served in Parliament for nearly 40 years. Prime Minister Boris Johnson says the entire country is heart-stricken. The reason I think people are so shocked and saddened is, above all, he was one of the kindest, nicest, most gentle people in politics. Amos's death has reopened questions about the security of British Parliament members. It comes five years after Labour Party lawmaker Joe Cox was shot and stabbed by a far-right extremist on a street before meeting with her constituents. That another family is having to go through that again. It's horrific. The British Interior Minister convened emergency security meetings hours after the fatal stabbing. I've been with the Speaker of the House and with the police and our security services to make sure that all measures are being put in place for the security of MPs so that they can carry on with their duties. British lawmakers are generally not provided armed security outside of Parliament. But after this second killing of a politician in five years, many say that has to change. Jennifer Johnson, Global News, Washington. Service Canada is expecting a flood of passport renewal applications amid the Canada-U.S. land border, reopening to fully vaccinated travelers next month. The department's website says Canadians can expect to get their passports about 20 days after an application. But some people have experienced wait times of over a month. You can also expect long lines at passport offices with hour-long wait times or more. While the government does continue to recommend against non-essential travel, one research firm says traveler confidence will increase as vaccination rates rise across the globe. In the year before the pandemic began, 2.3 million passports were issued. That number dropped to just over 363,000 in 2021. And as of this year, more than 467,000 were issued. Well, three years since cannabis became legal in Canada, B.C. is getting ready to allow direct delivery and farm gate sales of marijuana sometime next year. Right now, B.C. has 375 licensed private retail stores and 30 public retail stores. The provincial government adds that 57 applications from B.C. for private stores have been approved in principle. The province says its community safety unit carried out more than 70 inspections removing $20 million of cannabis from the illegal market. And 173 unlicensed retailers have either closed or stopped selling marijuana. A scientist in Nova Scotia says there is widespread mislabeling of cannabis products. Sean Miles of Dalhousie University analyzed the DNA of cannabis plants. He concluded packaging that advertises end products as either sativa or indica does not accurately reflect their actual properties. But it is frequently the case that something that is labeled sativa is still more closely related chemically to something that's labeled as indica than it is to anything else that's labeled sativa, right? Which means that it, overall, it's a poor predictor of anything and not very useful. The Cannabis Council of Canada, which represents growers and producers, agrees labeling is a problem. The council says products are tested rigorously before they go to market, but admits accurate labeling of different strains has been a problem. 
In Health Matters tonight, we're now getting a sense of the global toll of the pandemic on our collective mental health. The first worldwide estimate suggests depressive disorders surged by 28 percent last year. That's more than 50 million new cases. Anxiety disorders increased 26 percent. Women and younger people were the most affected, particularly in countries with major lockdowns. The findings have been published in the medical journal The Lancet. But yeah, this definitely helps sway my decision, yeah. At least 2.5% of the population of New Zealand was vaccinated in just one day today. Nearly 130,000 Kiwis rolled up their sleeves for a nationally televised Super Saturday Vaxathon. New Zealand had stayed largely virus-free until a Delta outbreak in mid-August and is now racing to catch up on vaccinations. A new study in the journal Pediatrics finds healthy infants born during the pandemic had substantially shorter hospital stays. That's compared with those born before the pandemic. As well, readmission rates were unchanged. Researchers say the findings suggest shorter hospital stays for healthy term infants may be safe even outside of a pandemic. A cherry tree in full bloom in October. It's a beautiful sight, but experts say it's also a sign of stress. We'll explain as the news hour continues. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. A group recently traveling through Desolation Sound got a close view of an enormous whale. Very close. It swam underneath the boat before resurfacing on the other side, spraying water out of its blowhole. The group says it encountered the whale sometime between August and September while they were going through Desolation Sound near Vancouver Island. Amazing footage. Lucy's in the sky with lab-grown diamonds. The story behind NASA's new spacecraft right after Avon's forecast. But first, a cherry tree in Burnaby is in full bloom this October, and experts say it could be the last flowering. The accolade cherry can be seen on the raised walkway at Nelson and Kingsway near Metrotown. This specific tree would normally flower in March. Experts say its late bloom is a stress response to the heat wave this past summer. Some winter flowering cherry trees do bloom in October or November, but don't have leaves on them. The UBC Botanical Garden says the Burnaby tree's rare bloom is likely a last-ditch effort to reproduce in a time of stress. This is highly unusual. It's got both leaves and flowers. Flowers look fantastic, but it, this is like um, probably its last dying breath. In this case, it's pretty obvious that it's probably ultraviolet and heat. Uh, maybe both, maybe one or the other. But in combination, uh, it's pretty serious. You know, the heat dome in June was, was pretty rough on plants. Yeah, extreme weather sure has wide-ranging effects, and we're getting some extreme rain uh, Extreme rain this weekend, Yvonne. Yeah, and I wonder how it held up for today, if I could have stopped the rain yes. just for that cherry tree there. All right, we're still seeing additional amounts this evening, so a heads up, be prepared overnight leading in towards the morning hours, and very windy conditions for areas that are closer to the water. We're sitting at 12. We've got a southwesterly wind at 6 kilometers per hour, but we've had a bit of a break, especially for eastern areas and stretching into the Fraser Valley. But then the next wave is going to pick up as we get in towards this evening, 
evening continuing overnight and here's that atmospheric river we're still tracking that moisture that stalled across the south coast in the interior though it is drying out with dry conditions for tomorrow now the rainfall warning once again where we're seeing 30 and up to 50 millimeters these are additional amounts we've seen upwards of 100 areas near port mellon closer to 300 millimeters of rain and we could see along the north shore mountains and Howe sound additional 16 up to 80 millimeters so that'll be the areas of concern and we've also got a flood watch that has been from the river forecast center that has been issued the flood watch which is in the areas that are in orange the north shore mountains metro vancouver house sound and sunshine coast included within that in yellow is the high stream flow advisory and that extends in towards the fraser valley and areas along vancouver island so please uh, be very careful stay away from the rivers as well as any streaming flows. We are going to continue to watch this over the next few days, especially with the snow melt, with the, that lowering over the last few as well. Now, this is the moisture that we're going to continue to see on the future cast overnight, leading in towards the morning hours. I anticipate as we get in through the afternoon, though, it'll taper off. We've got cloud cover and a chance of showers, so lighter precipitation and a much-needed break will be on our Monday. So overnight tonight, still seeing that rainfall, windy conditions near the water. Could see gusts between 40 and up to 70 kilometers per hour and then by the afternoon with highs up to 12 degrees we are looking at a chance for some showers and drying out towards the evening. Different weather picture though for the northern half of the province we've got some sunshine clearing on the way dry conditions a few flurries are possible for the northeastern corners near the peace much of the central interior though a soaker for tomorrow with periods of rain it remains dry though for the southern interior mainly cloudy sky and mild areas near the central Okanagan 16 for the southern half closer to 18 degrees. South coast will see windy and wet conditions this evening into Sunday morning, tapering off as we get in through the day, drying out. It'll be much needed. Monday, Tuesday, some of the nicest days are the bunch with the <laughs> sunshine, highs. I know the timing. It's for back to school and right. work, 12 and 13 degrees. Until then, parents break out the muddy buddies. Absolutely. Do they make those for adults? We were just discussing that. I, I'd they hope should. so. We would, I would purchase one right away. <laughs> Thanks, Yvonne. <laughs> Lucy soared into the sky with diamonds today on a 12-year quest to explore asteroids. Three, two, one, zero. Liftoff. Atlas V takes flight, sending Lucy to uncover the fossils of our solar system. Lucy the spacecraft blasted off before dawn on a 6.3 billion kilometer journey to explore a swarm of asteroids that share Jupiter's orbit, which are thought to be leftovers of planetary formation. Lucy is named after the three million year old skeletal remains of a human ancestor found in Ethiopia nearly 50 years ago. That discovery got its name from the 1967 Beatles song, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Some of those lyrics and other words of wisdom are imprinted on a plaque on the spacecraft. It also carries a disc made of lab-grown diamonds for one of its science instruments. We all have the lyrics mm. stuck in our head today, and maybe you now do too. Six billion K, I guess you better pack a lunch. It'll be a while, hey? Barry, what's coming up in sports? <laughs> uh, well, busy uh, Saturday here as the Canucks are on the ice right now. Game three of their road trip taking on the Red Wings. It's close in the third period. Highlights of that. Lions in the fourth quarter at BC Place right now against the Stampeders. And that's not close, unfortunately, <laughs> for the Lions, who are going the wrong way at the wrong time of year. All right, lots ahead. Thanks, Barry. Also coming up, how climate change could alter the taste of beer. And not in a good way. That story when we come back.
Join Variety, the children's charity, and Global BC as we celebrate Variety Week, October 18th to 22nd. Tune in to Global News as we share stories that highlight the hope your help can bring. Variety Week on Global BC. No secret, many of us love our beer. Microbreweries now dot the province. But due to climate change, beer may be a lot more expensive and not taste quite so good. Reporter Ben Tracy takes us to a brewery in Colorado selling a distinctly dystopian view of the future. The new Belgium brewery in Fort Collins, Colorado, I love these guys, is famous for its fat tire ale and sizable supply of suds. Now I'm big into pale ales, I'm drinking a sour right now. But recently, CEO Steve Fetchheimer decided to craft a new brew. It's called Torched Earth, a beer that would benefit from its own chaser. It tastes very burnt, but I would almost say Band-Aid, if I had one word Band-Aid. for what it tastes like. It tastes like eating a Band-Aid, I'm and that's okay because New Belgium doesn't really want you to buy it. It wants you to learn something from it. The three main ingredients in beer are clean water, barley, and hops. All are threatened by climate change. Weather extremes such as drought and flooding are ravaging crops across the country. And this is the main source of New Belgium's water, the Poudre River, just outside Fort Collins. Historic wildfires fueled by climate change have burned the forest in the canyon and polluted the river with ash and runoff, making the water supply at times unusable. We view climate change as an existential threat to New Belgium. So Torched Earth is a wake-up call for consumers. Instead of clean water, it is brewed with the smoke-tainted version. High-quality hops are replaced with climate-resilient dandelion root. And barley gets swapped for buckwheat. It's a window into how terrible things are at a somewhat selfish level. You know, that might be the least of our worries. New Belgium is aware that beer pales in comparison to the deadly impacts of climate change already impacting the planet. The brewery is trying to do its part by powering much of its operation with these solar panels. Katie Wallace, New Belgium's Director of Environmental Impact, says Torched Earth is meant to start a conversation. The goal of that is to raise awareness for climate action. Here's Mother Earth. All right. It was an exercise in exploring the way we might have to make beer, not how we want to make beer. Ben Tracy, CBS News, Fort Collins, Colorado. The third game in four days for the Vancouver Canucks. Very delay as tonight's action from Detroit right after this. There are still questions that need to be answered here. This was a high-risk, high-reward strategy. So we wanted to set the record straight. But at the end of the day, we talk. And where we talk is right here at CKNW. Help raise critical funds for Connect Place Children's Hospice at their Gift of Time Gala presented by Nicola Well. Join this virtual event and enjoy an engaging broadcast with live and silent auctions and inspiring speakers. Registration is by donation at thegiftoftime.org. Find culinary treasures at the Taste of Yaletown. Experience new participating restaurants, specialty menus, happy hours, and more with partial proceeds going to the Greater Vancouver Food Bank and Yaletown House. For Our BC, I'm Michael Newman. Go. 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 The Global BC Community Hub. Navigate your now. 
The Canucks are a busy bunch these days. Here's Barry now with sports. Mm -hmm, yeah, third game in uh, four days on this long season starting road trip. You can go two ways when you go on the road early. Either you get beat a lot and it's tough to get out of the hole, yeah. or else you can get some wins, get a little team camaraderie and build off it, and maybe the latter so far for the Canucks, which is good. Thanks, Jordan. The Canucks road trip has been fruitful so far, three out of four points, thanks to a shootout win in Philadelphia last night. But right back on the ice in Detroit tonight, the Red Wings certainly another beatable team on this six-game road trip to start the season. Yaroslav Halak getting his first start as a Canuck and his teammates buzzing early Elias Pettersson with a chance off the end boards, but Thomas Grice with the save to keep it scoreless. Red Wings didn't have many chances, but they did get on the board first. Robbie Fabry with the good hands deflects the Mark Stahl point shot. Not much chance there for Halak. 1-0 Detroit after one. Second period, Canucks power play. They move it around nicely. And it's Alex Chase on to Bo Horvat. That's the play they want to run. Bo usually scores, but a great toe save by Grice. But shortly thereafter, Horvat will feed Connor Garland, and he will rip it in from the sharp angle. Beats Grice. First goal as a Canuck for Garland, who is in the middle of everything tonight. Feisty player. He can score. What a great addition he's been. But the Wings get it right back on the power play. Philip Zadina with the one-timer past Halak. 2-1 Detroit. Two goals on just seven shots. Canucks uh, looking to tie. Connor Garland leading the two-on-one feeds. Nils Hoaglander, but Grice with the uh, larcenous glove save stays 2-1 after two. Third period. Canucks owning the play. Tucker Pullman on the doorstep, but can't jam it in. Remains 2-1. Meanwhile, South Surrey's Michael Rasmussen with two good chances from the slot. First round pick from a few years back, but Halak is there to keep the Canucks in it. And then more from Connor Garland. Watch the hit here on Philip Zadina. Kind of backs into him, does get him with the elbow. Not intentional, but that did lead to a little bit of a melee, as you might expect. Garland is just in the middle of everything. He ended up getting a minor penalty for a check to the head. They were going to call a major, but then checked it or changed it to a minor, which was the right call. Canucks keep coming. Jack Rathbone point shot. Justin Dowling, one of the newcomers on the rebound. Good hands, but off the post stays out. 2-1 Detroit very late in the third. The Lions have six games to go and are in the thick of the playoff battle in the West. They're taking on a Stampeders team tonight that has shaken off a slow start to win back-to-back -back games against Saskatchewan to draw even with the Lions in points with eight. But BC has dropped its last two. It's coming off a bye week, so hard to predict what kind of Lions team we would see at BC Place today. With Lucky Whitehead out with the broken hand, Brian Burnham needs to be the man. And on cue, Burnham makes a classic Burnham catch, elevates to, elevates to beat the defender and then takes it all the way down to the one-yard line, a 43-yard play, and the Lions are knocking on the door. Burnham in the middle of a lot of big plays over the years as a Lion. Backup quarterback Nathan Rourke comes in, and he will sneak it in from the one for the touchdown. Lions went for two and missed, so they're up 6-0. But the Stamps answer. Bo Levi Mitchell to Luther Hakunuvanao. Let's try that again. Haku Nuvanu. Stamps led 7-6 after one. Am I glad that guy just got one touchdown? Second quarter, Riley over the middle to James Butler, but he's blown up by Jameer Thurman. Lions offense stalling out after a strong start. Then late second, the Stamps special teams come through. It's uh, Simon Fraser product Ante Milanovic-Litre who blocks the Stefan Flintoft punt. 
led to another field goal, 16-6 Calgary at half. And on the opening kick of the second half, if the Lions were hoping to get some momentum with a stop and then getting their offense back on the field, well, it didn't happen. Rock Thomas rocks the Lions' world, eludes a number of tackles with some great moves, but the Lions got to tackle better. Thomas takes it all the way, a 100-yard kick return for the touchdown. And now it's 23-6. to 23 unanswered Stampeder points. Lions in big trouble. BC just trying to get that offense going. They are knocking on the door here, but Riley is sacked. The offense really struggling these days. Just 19 points in their last two home games. And they trail right now. 32-10 is the score late in the fourth for the Stamps. Also today, Alouettes Red Blacks from Ottawa. Alouettes without their injured quarterback, Vernon Adams Jr., but Matt Schiltz stepping in to start, doing the job, going deep for Jake Winnicky. And what a catch by Winnicky in traffic. It's a 50-yard touchdown, and the Alouettes win this one by the final of 27-16. So they improved to 5-4. and four. Ottawa is out of it. Their record drops to two wins and eight losses. The Whitecaps are down to their final half dozen games. They have three left at home, including tomorrow night against second place Sporting Kansas City. Whitecaps have won five of six at BC Place and really have to win the remaining three to have a legitimate chance of making the MLS playoffs. Obviously, some of the teams are used to grass, and so when you come in and play on turf, it's obviously an adjustment that they have to deal with. And uh, yeah, anytime you know a team has to travel away from home, it's obviously a little bit of a disadvantage because you have the, the home fans cheering for the home team. So, you know, we're hoping. The fans have been great so far, coming out to all the games, so I'm sure they'll continue and we're just going to get three points. I think it's also a combination of like us not playing at home for so long. You know, we were just eager to get back in front of fans and, and on BC Place. You know, we started the season in Salt Lake and, you know, a different home field in front of maybe 10 fans a game. So it's it's playing in front of, the, you know, our fans is that's what's keeping us going. I think it's, they're becoming like the 12th man out there. Baseball now, Game 2, American League Championship Series from Houston. Astros beat the Red Sox in the opener last night, but Boston had their hitting shoes on early. Top first, bases loaded for J.D. Martinez, unloads them with the grand slam to right. Boston jumps out 4-0. Top second, bases loaded again for Rafael Devers, and he will turn on the inside pitch. Will it stay fair? It does. Another Grand Slam. First time in MLB playoff history one team has hit multiple Grand Slams in the same game. 8-0 Boston and then Kiki Hernandez golfs one to deep left. His third homer already of the series. 9-0 Red Sox. They hang on to win it 9-5. Series tied at one. Game three Monday at Fenway. Back to the NHL. Habs home opener against the New York Rangers. No scoring until the second. Rangers on the power play. Mika Zibanejad with the shot off of Chris Kreider and then off the Habs defenseman and in. Not pretty, but it counts. And the Rangers continue to lead by a goal, 2-1 in the third. And we'll finish off with some golf from fabulous Las Vegas, the CJ Cup. Rory McIlroy started the day nine shots back of leader Keith Mitchell, but while Mitchell struggled, Rory couldn't miss. Eagles the 18th to cap a 10-under round of 62. Takes the solo lead at 19-under, but Ricky Fowler in contention for the first time in a long time. He will make the 18-footer for birdie at the 16th to take the outright lead. Fowler 9-under 63. He's at 21-under, two-shot lead on McElroy. Mackenzie Hughes, the only Canadian in the 78-man field, is tied 17th at 13-under. And that is it for sports. Jordan, back to you. Thank you, Barry. The legendary Ogopogo has a new owner, sort of. 
We'll explain right after the break. Attention. Need the latest info on budgeting, personal finances, taxes, affordability, or any other money issues in this pricey province? Then get informed. Andrua examines Consumer Matters on Global News. Join Variety, the children's charity, and Global BC as we celebrate Variety Week, October 18th to 22nd. Tune in to Global News as we share stories that highlight the hope your help can bring. Variety Week on Global BC. Legal rights of a legendary creature in BC's Okanagan are being handed over to an alliance of indigenous nations. The city of Vernon says it is transferring copyright of the Ogopogo to members of the Okanagan Nation Alliance. <laughs> indigenous people say the centuries-old lake creature has always been a part of their spiritual teachings. Vernon's mayor says the transfer makes sense because Ogopogo originally came from the Okanagan Silk people, and they should hold the copyright. All right, speaking of things submerged, how's the <laughs> forecast, Yvonne? It's a soaker out there. We're still seeing another wave this evening. So 30 and up to 50 millimeters most areas, but along the North Shore Mountains could get upwards between 50 and up to 80 millimeters. Also, it's going to be breezy. Closer to the water could see gusts of up to 70. The rainfall will be for the morning hours on Sunday and then a much needed break. It'll be cloud cover with a chance of showers for the afternoon. Drying out by tomorrow night and then rebounding. Really the nicest days out of the bunch look to be Monday, Tuesday. So a heads up. Pleasant two temperatures into the double digits and then another round of rain on Wednesday. But that's a few days out. So we'll just get through tonight yeah. and then enjoy our Monday, Tuesday when it dries out. Tuesday, the intermission from the rain. Yes. All right. <laughs> that's tonight's news hour. Thanks for joining us. We're all back at 11. Hope you can join us then. Good night.